Welcome back to Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. I'm excited to have Anne Sini as our featured guest. Anne serves as a Chief People and Diversity Officer for the U.S. Soccer Federation. In this episode, Anne shares her incredible career path that kicked off after graduating from Hampton University. Anne has worked in various organizations in many capacities in human resources. She broke into the sports industry, grew her network, built trusted relationships, and invested in her growth that led her to be the game changer she is today. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Turnkey ZRG, for supporting Women Blazers this season. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, music, and media. We appreciate Turnkey ZRG's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. What I always try and remind myself, but tell others too, is um, find, find what brings you joy. Like find those things that you can do to help remind you of how much you enjoy life. So, Anne, you went to Hampton University for mass media arts. You know, how did you determine your college decision and what inspired you to pursue this degree? Great question. Um, I think when I was in high school, I, um, my senior year, I originally up until that point, I thought I was going to be a pediatric surgeon. Um, I took a broadcast journalism class my senior year of high school and absolutely loved it. And I think that summer before my senior year, I had done a pre-college camp. Then I took journalism classes um, and I loved it. And I was always, I always loved reading. I always loved writing. And that is kind of what switched it for me. And then went into my freshman year as a broadcast, actually a broadcast major. And then along the way, um, kind, of, kind of switched my emphasis from broadcast because uh, I thought I was going to be a news anchor. Um, yeah. but, I, but then I switched it to uh, with an emphasis of public relations. So, but ultimately a mass media arts major, communications major um, and loved it. Yeah, I was a DJ at um, at Hampton University. It was WHOV eighty eight point one, which was our college radio station. So, which was a jazz radio station, but wow. loved it. What did you have a DJ handle name? What was your DJ name? I didn't. I could never. Uh, everybody else had one. Like I couldn't come up with that one. Everyone had like jazzy names, and I was just just Anne. So DJ, DJ Anne in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't help, but nobody else could help me come up with a name. So I was like, eh, all right, uh, just Anne. No, I listen. Like I can see, like your personality is so positive. Like I can see you on broadcast though. Like as you were saying, like you were like news anchor wise. Like yeah, you have you have a good vibe for that. So. I'm curious now, like after graduation, you pursued a path in human resources. So where yes. did things shift for you and how did you choose this path? Did it choose you or did you choose it? 
Honestly, it shows me because um, originally after college, I was heading on to thought I had an internship or some some type of job with the National Space Society. And that ended up falling through. And I was living in D.C. with my aunt and uncle. And my dad was like he wanted me off his payroll. So <laughs> he said, you know, you need to find a job. And so um, he said, what about HR? And, you know, I'm like, you know, what, who knows, who knows anything at that time about human resources. And so I actually started temping with a temp agency and my rep happened to have the same major as me. And she said, well, think about HR. She placed me at an IT um, startup consulting firm. Um, I was living in the Maryland DC area at the time. And uh, it's, you know, kind of history from there. Then my, my first job was with uh, or company and they, pretty much paid for anything I wanted to do, any, any training, any book they paid for it. And that wow. kind of gave me my foundation in HR. Wow. That's incredible. So, so the first, for, for the first, what, 13 plus years of your career, you worked at various organizations then in HR roles from generalist to supervisor, you know, what were the key takeaways from those experiences you had during the foundation of your career? I think it was, it was really interesting because I kind of flip-flopped in, in, in some respects because you know, at first it's like, you know, I started out in this IT consulting and then it was, you know, I want to go to an organization that has a mission. And so then I went into nonprofit and it was with the organization that focused on old, older workers and kind of returning them to the workforce. Hmm. And then it was, um, you know, then it went to kind of um, consulting and, and I, you know, I enjoyed that you know, immensely. It was, it was a lot of work. Um, but, it, it was great. And that kind of gave me this um, different perspective. And I think each job that I had, it was because I had a feeling or a path that I was trying to follow um, and kind of going back and forth between going between mission based and then kind of a corporate ish type world. Um, or I was because I was in, in my in, initially in my early in my career, I was a solo HR practitioner. Yeah. And that's very lonely. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, then I wanted to work for a team and, um, with work with an HR team and an HR environment. So, um, that's kind of those things that kind of informed my career along the way, um, amongst other things, but those were kind of those influences and kind of what I learned along the way was trying to figure out what I wanted and what I liked and what I didn't like and the environments I liked and didn't like. And I worked in various types of nonprofits that had different missions. And so those, those things represented um, my, my interest at mm. that time. So, yeah, I was going to say, you know, as you, as you talk about that sort of discovery process through those different various roles, did you, did you eventually feel like you found what it was that, that made you come like want to wake up every day and go to work to do that work? Yeah, because I think, you know, I really kind of believed in each thing, you know, each organization that I was, you know, working for. So, you know, it, you know of course, the startup IT, that was just kind of, that was the time. It was the 90s, like everything was <laughs> tech. Um, and then the next role was, you know, focused on older workers. You know, that was kind of an, important to me in that way of the, the mission of the organization was really trying to give older um, individuals more skill sets. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that time from an HR perspective, I was like, well, that's also, we need more people in back in the workforce. And, um, so that was kind of that interest. And then from there, I wanted to kind of go into consulting because that allowed me to really sharpen and hone my skills because I was able to go to a bunch of different organizations. And at that point, use pretty much everything I'd possibly learned at that point. Um, but it continued to allow me to grow and, 
be able to touch different organizations. But that also helped me figure out why I wanted that I wanted to go to um, business school yeah. to get an MBA. So consults while I was consulting with the consulting firm, um, it, it allowed me to say like, you know, I need to have this business degree so I can understand from the CFO and the CEO's perspective as an HR person and understand the language and their viewpoint and perspective. And that's why I went back to get my MBA. So along the way, each job kind of reflects kind of where I was at that point in time and why those things were important to me. Um, each, each, you know, each, you know, each rung on the ladder, so to speak. And then even working with Goodwill Industries International, which was after um, working for the HR team, which was the consulting firm, Mm -hmm. you know, I I had this passion for working with persons with disabilities. And I learned so much um, working with Goodwill Industries International, which is like the national office for, you know, all the Goodwills. I learned so much from so many people at that organization that I've still carried with me and used to, you know, use today. So every kind of step has kind of reflected a different passion. Right. No, that's fantastic. And let's hit on your, your MBA for a second. So you got an MBA at the university of Maryland in, um, and like you said, you, you got this MBA while working as a consultant for the HR team, you know, for yourself, like, you know, how did you manage the workload from your job and the commitment, um, of, of getting and pursuing this degree at the same time? You know, I tell you, I look back on it (laughs) and I just like, I I don't know how, because when we were, when I was working with the consulting firm and we, we had pretty heavy schedules, um, because at that time I even had a couple of clients that were international. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the time zone differences. And then I remember I was talking to a friend recently who was in uh, business school with me that I remember where I would get up at 6am to start doing schoolwork. And I know I had, you know, where I had just gone to bed at three um, you know, the things you can do in your twenties. Um, and, but I mean, that was, I think a two year, two and a half year program. Um, it it was very, it it was rewarding, but you really figure out how to manage your time. Also what's important. And then in the grand scheme of it all, it is a short time. Like when you look, when you're in the midst of it, it feels like it is forever. Um, but, but, um, but you find ways to manage your time. And I think it's been great because I did I just finished another degree and I feel like this is going to be my last one. Um, <laughs> cause going back to school as a student in your twenties, um, then in your late mid to late forties is very different. Um, and, um, how your brain works. Um, but, but I would say it is interesting how doing those degrees and, or just keeping some type of learning happening in that manner, Mm -hmm. um, really makes you think different and helps you retain things differently. Um, so, but uh, to manage your time, it, it really makes you sit and think what's important. How do you manage your time? But it also recognize, helps you recognize how much time you may not use as efficiently in other ways. Um, when you're not in school, um, because school ends up being like a part-time job. So, um, so it's very interesting. Yeah. What I, yeah, I, you know, as you talk about time, you know, I I imagine in your headspace of like getting through each day as challenging as it probably was in those two, two and a half years is like, you have to always remind yourself, like, this is an investment, like this investment is going to pay off in the long run, you know, and and sort of realizing where in like high school, you know, like you're like, why am I here? (laughs) Yes. Um, This you chose to do. (laughs) Yeah. This is on you because you know that the result is going to be helpful to you in in the long run. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, And I love how you said that you invest in yourself and 
and at the time getting the MBA, I was like, this is this is directly related to my job, which was also nice because I was able to use some of those concepts literally, at, you know, at, apply it every day mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in what I was doing, which is also helpful. And it was interesting to me. So I think that's the also is like when you if you do go and get an, you know, an advanced degree, make sure it's something that you are interested in. And you have a, to some degree, some type of passion for, because otherwise it will seem extremely laborious. Um, (laughs) Because if you don't really love the material that you're about to learn, then it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's great advice. That's really great advice. Now, as you mentioned, after you get this degree, you work for Goodwill Industries, obviously a, a great opportunity for you. But what's fun is like after Goodwill Industries in 2013, you get your sports career break in opportunity with the St. Louis Cardinals as a director mm-hmm. of HR. So how did you land this opportunity and, 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 and how, you know, what did you enjoy most about that transition into sports, something completely new from your nonprofit consultant days? It's so interesting because um, I had moved to St. Louis to um, work for a, a um, public school system and moving to St. Louis, I had a friend um, that went to school with me at Hampton that lived in DC told me, Hey, we have a classmate that works for the St. Louis Cardinals there um, in St. Louis, you should connect with them. And I, and I didn't know her. And so, which was, we all had that, we had the same set of friends, but we, she and I did not know each other. And so when I got there, we connected and, uh, you know, along the way, um, I think it was around 2011, she had let me know that, Hey, um, this role is this HR role is opening up. And um, so I interviewed for it and everything else and went through a lot of interviews. They were in the midst of a World Series run at the time. And they selected somebody else um, in 2012. And then a year later, um, the person left. And the um, at that time, the, or the executive, and my, who was my boss at the time, emailed me asking me if I was still interested in the role. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and, um, and so I went and, and you know, and then... Uh, you know, and, and that's when I joined, but my friend that worked there at the time, she had left, or I think she had left in like at the, near the end of 2011 or early 2012. So it's just interesting how things connect. And it, she went to Hampton with me as well, but wow. she didn't, she and I didn't know each other, but we have some, we had some common friends. So it just kind of tells you even your, and especially that HBCU network is strong. <laughs> um, and it just, it's, it kind of tells you too about being in sports, that connection in networking is, is very important. So I think having those strong network, um, connecting with people. And then honestly, there was a, quite a bit of prayer in there too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so both of those were, were uh, what really helped me out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so after what, three years you're with the club, um, you were promoted you know, and named the VP of human resources, you know, how yeah. would you describe maybe your investment in, in your growth and the process um, to earn sort of these, that promotion um, mm-hmm. early on with the club? I think it was, I think it was probably multiple things, um, you know, getting in and kind of really digging in and kind of showing what I can do. But I also built um, some advocates as well who would speak for me um, when I, you know, so to speak at the table when I wasn't there. And I think that's important too along the way, uh, especially being a woman and woman of color in sports as you're trying to move your way up. Um, having those advocates, um, within the organization that are in, in places that, um, you know, you, you are not and, 
you know, I have all these credentials and continuing to invest in myself and um, be a part of all these different organizations um, or be active in the community and serve on all these boards and everything else. Um, but it, I think to me, the key is also having those mentors, um, those sponsors and those advocates that are going to help speak for you. And, um, you know, my president of baseball was um, John Mazalek was a huge um, advocate for me among others, um, you know, that I made in the organization. That's fantastic. And that's a really good point. And in, in my conversation last uh, on the last podcast with Stacey Johns, um, we talked about the same thing and she's very similar. She said, you know, just, you know, it was advocates and it was having, you know, building these sort of trusted relationships yeah. when you weren't in the room your name would get brought up like, Hey, you know, Anne said this and, you know, I, I was talking to Anne and she had this recommendation and all of a sudden it's like, why are you not at the table? And so right. it's a, now here's an opportunity of understanding maybe the value and the, um, and the worth of your words and, and how impactful it could be at, at VP levels. Right. And, right. um, so that's, that's, that's awesome. And I, I love that that's sort of being reiterated today in this conversation. Especially when you're a woman and women of color, it's not, it, it's building those advocates and especially, um, with those, you know, white males that are within your organization that can help be those advocates, but just even with other women uh, within your organization that may be those higher levels, you know, it's, it's, we, we need to try and, you know, help each other out along the way too, and bring somebody up with you as you kind of move along. Um, Cause you know, making the path for yourself isn't just enough um, when, you know, from my perspective um, as we're, you know, in this game. So um, I think it's, you know, to me, mentoring and network is, and building those advocates and becoming one yourself is huge. I could not agree more. Thank you for, for saying that, because I, I agree. It's like, once you get there, you got to open the door for other people. You got to, you got to think about how you can be an advocate, advocate for others. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's definitely an opportunity that just keeps giving, you know, um, yeah. and, and hopefully it changes the landscape where we're not mm -hmm. sort of identifying like, things are different for women and women of color. Um, mm -hmm. But yet there's a little bit more um, of, of, you know, things that are more relative and the same for anybody who's just looking to, to work hard and <laughs> get the opportunity yeah. everybody else is afforded, you know? Right. You were with the Cardinals in total for, for over about eight years or so. Yeah. Um, almost nine. That's crazy. I mean, to get yeah. in is one thing, but to stay with the organization and grow with the organization the way you did is, is incredible. And you guys, you know, had a great team. So I have to yeah. ask, like, what was one of your favorite experiences or moments while being a part of the organization? You know, there are so many <laughs> um, and, you know, so many good people and, you know, you just build so many great relationships over that amount of time and just real friendships Um I mean, I, I, like I said, I have, there's so many, but I would say like, I started in 2013 and um, of June of 2013 and, you know, the team was having such a fantastic year <laughs> and we end up like going to the world series, you know, we lost to the, the Red Sox, but it's like, that is my first, you know, not even a first full year, you know, and we go to a world series <laughs> and I get a ring. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it has my name on it that's cheating you just like come right in come on I know right and people are like oh I've been waiting years you know but of course well you know the Cardinals are a very storied franchise so they usually are in playoffs um but it, it's it's been um I would say that was one but I think just so many along the way of when we had um 
just employee days where we're out on, on the field, where we got to actually be on the field and have field days and playing games or just connecting in, internally. Um, and there were times where our president um, would, uh, Bill DeWitt would treat the entire front office to a trip. Um, you know, <laughs> to, we came up one year to um, see the Cards Cubs game in Chicago. Um, which was really cool because, you know, you have, you have like your entire St. Louis front office sitting in Wrigley. <laughs> That's awesome. Take just a complete takeover. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's hilarious. And I was like, some of the comments though, from some others were, you know, Cub fans were, I was like, um, do we need security? Um, <laughs> but it was great. It was great. It did a lot of good memories, a lot of good people, um, a lot of great relationships that I'm thankful that I can still be able to truly call them friends and still be able to call them up and, you know, ask for advice or, you know, check in and things like that, or, you know, help them with their career. Like they've helped me with mine. So I think so many great memories over there is almost nine years. Um, you know, I couldn't, you, I surely didn't think I was going to be there for, for nine years. <laughs> the longest place I've ever worked. Um, I thought a few years and then I'm out, but, um, but I'm glad I was able to be there as long as I was. No, that's fantastic. It sounds like you had just an incredible time with that organization growing and developing, yeah. but creating awesome memories and experiences that you were able to take with you into your next, your next move. So yeah. In March uh, of this year, you made a move and joined U.S. Soccer. You're in the soccer mm -hmm. world with me. Hey, welcome. Yes. Hey. <laughs> um, and, and you were named the Chief People and Diversity Officer for, for mm -hmm. U.S. Soccer. Um, so yes. what motivated this move for you? And, and how did you determine that this was the best next move in your career? That's a great, that's another great question. I think, I think I had been watching soccer for a little while and I will be totally honest I am kind of a newbie to soccer I am yeah. still learning the soccer world and it is huge it is an immense <laughs> an immense soccer it's, world and I did not know yeah it's bigger I, than anybody to like, like, yes. if it's like a, if you're a traditional sports fan you have no idea how big soccer is until you like yes. get into, yeah yeah and I'm just like oh my gosh I needed somebody's this like a tutorial it's like a college course I need to take because <laughs> it's not a master thing. for you <laughs> yeah, like it was the way the things I need to learn and just how big it is. And I think because I'm at the national governing body of U.S. soccer, it's it's even more um, and I'm gonna say intense, but just how much more there is to learn, not even just about the game um, itself, but just what soccer is and what it means in this country and being at the national governing body. And so I think for me, like watching soccer just continue to kind of try, continuing to grow and just getting more and more on the radar. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, when I was in St. Louis, the, you know, St. Louis was making, you know, a run to have one of the expansion teams, which they did get. Yeah. And um, so it was just interesting just to watch. And I think from my standpoint, soccer seems to be, of course, it was, you know, from that 50,000 foot level of such such a young sport comparatively to others of the, you know, of the other pro leagues um, in this country and um, seemed a bit more um, young fan base. They seemed to be a bit more innovative and um, not as tied down to tradition. Yeah. I'm willing to kind of try to, you know, try to do some new things you know, relatively speaking. Um, so it just kind of intrigued me. And I was always looking for that kind of next challenge, that next um, 
something where I could take my skill set and, you know, be have an impact, but also learn some new things as well. Um, and I think being here and especially at the national governing body, it allows for that. And um, so I'm just really excited to be here and see what I can do, how what I can help with and how much I can learn from, you know, so many um, people here and so many of my colleagues, um, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it sounds just like an incredible opportunity as you as you talk about, you know, the the opportunity soccer has in this country, you know, representing the governing body of U.S. soccer and how it competes and, and how it innovates and grows amongst the other governing bodies across the globe. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems so big, <laughs> like, yeah. so intimidating in some way, you know, um, yeah. but imagine like now that you're there, you know, I, it, it probably feels a little small, too. I, I don't know how big your team is or staff is, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just in terms of how big it, it like you're on the stage you're on, but at the same time, yeah. you know, it's still like every other organization, right? Like it's a front yeah. office kind of set up, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. So from my six months here, <laughs> it's, it seems as if, you know, we, we were almost like a, I don't want to say a small organization, but kind of a small organization with a huge foot, you know, footprint and right. a huge impact. And, um, you know, my team, um, where I have like HR and kind of office services and DEIB under, you know, under my umbrella, and I have about a team of um, 10, um, and I just recently hired a VP of inclusion, I finished, um, we finished building up my HR side, and, you know, so we're rocking and rolling and looking to really jump in and dig in um, to what we can do here. So it's, so it's an exciting time. Um uh, on what we can do and how we can grow and kind of, um, you know, move forward and see what, see what impact I can have and, and, and learn. Yeah, no, that sounds incredible. And, you know, I wish you all the best as you continue on and on the growth and building out your team. And it's, 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 it's really fun as you guys look forward to world cup this year and, you know, yeah. after hosting of the world cup here in, in America in, in 2026. So that's what all of us yeah. Folks in America are excited about. So, um, we're in a we're in a really good position to be a part of that the impact. Um, yeah. and I think that's what's so fun about you know being in the soccer world right now. Now, in every episode, um, I like to hit on a couple topics that sort of become themes from episode to episode. And mm-hmm. and with you because of your position, um, you know, I thought it'd be um, interesting to hear your perspective just on you know um, the topic of diversity and inclusion. And so focusing on, on, on those two topics, diversity and inclusion, you know, what has the work in this space meant to you? That's an awesome question. I would say it means a lot. I think it's, it's a passion. And I feel like I was in some degree doing DEI before I knew that's what I was doing Yeah. or, or participating in some way. Um, and, and I think even, and I think maybe not, not just quite social justice, but <laughs> along those lines of even when I was cleaning out things at my mom's house, I found some old um, stuff from my, you know my high school days. Um, yep, I still have all that stuff. <laughs> I, have um, all, I have my box. Okay, good. Okay, good. Because I I've been found like my Spanish notebook. Okay, <laughs> and journals, but. <laughs> I love it. 1994. <laughs> um, but I think even back then, I, I, I 
remember there was like a situation and I wrote a letter to the editor, you know, of the paper and telling them to write the correct story um, because it, it, there had been something happened between some black students and white students at one of the high schools and the newspaper didn't print the full story. Oh. And, um, and I, you know, challenged them to do so and they did and they found out that what I had said was correct. Wow. And so, um, but they were only going off of what was given to them by the police report and the administration. Mm. And, and I found even a letter from one of my teachers um, who happened to be white and I found a letter from a parent of a student who happened to be white, who said they appreciated that I did that. And I like didn't know who, who that person you know, really what? was, I, you know, didn't have any connection, but they, as a parent felt it was important for them to see, send this letter to me. So, hold on, sorry. Cool. so it's clearly, you know, it seems like just maybe a, it's always been in your DNA, you know, to yeah. out, you know, or, or live life through that lens. Um, and, and now obviously I think, you know, nowadays, especially in our worlds of, of corporate world or business worlds, you know, diversity and inclusion have become sort of buzzwords. And the question is, how do you, you know, how do you not let it become, let, let it just be a buzz and actually be, you know, a, a purpose of an organization, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's an interesting question. And I feel like it's a, I think organizations have to figure out how to make that as a part of their identity. Mm -hmm. And I think employees are going to be a huge factor in how that becomes a part of the fabric, which is also, you know, such buzzwords and how do we embed it? Um, <laughs> you know, you know, it's all those catchphrases that we use now. Um, but I think that's just going to continue to morph as we figure out what that is, because in the grand scheme of all, like DEI, DIB, DIJ, DIEIA, you know, whatever term you want to use, um, is relative to in some of the corporate space as well, especially sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having to figure out how we make that as a part of our identity and what does that mean and how we function and operate every day. And that hopefully eventually my goal is eventually I don't have a job, you know, that, you know, we work ourselves out of, you know, these DEIB jobs because it's become so, you know, it's not so much as the focus is just how work is done when we look at, you know, from a marketing standpoint, from our HR, from, you know, from, you know, our commercial and sales and anything else like that, that it's just how we, things are done and that we've worked our, worked ourselves out of jobs. Um, but I think it's, it takes work and it's going to take some honest conversations and some trips and falls <laughs> along the way. And, um, to, to really get to where you want to be as an organization and, and revisit it. And yeah, it's, yeah. of course it starts at the top and the tone, but it's really everybody's job to hold everybody accountable on how we move forward. And, and are we living up to the values and principles that we've set out to what say we, what, what we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a constant revisit. You know, I feel like, if we're not doing that, even on a personal level with ourselves, you know, am I, am I heading the right direction? Am I, <laughs> am I living up to the values I've set for myself? You know, sometimes you need a little, you know, self-check. Um, 
and uh, and I think one of my favorite questions, I think I'm totally veering off topic, but I think as an organization, we have to kind of ask ourselves this too, but one of my favorite questions I got out of a book um, called um, Fierce Conversations was, what are you pretending not to know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like even as an organization, as leadership, you know, when we're trying to go through this kind of process, kind of asking ourselves that kind of question and self-check, like, so, you know, if you really sit there and go through it, it's amazing what you can come up with. Yeah, no, that's great. And great re- book recommendation too, um, for next, uh, just for like additional reading material. Um, but it's a great question. You're absolutely right. It's a great question. And as we talk about just the organizations itself, we also, you know, st- take a step back in the layer that, you know, we're organizations in a, in a greater industry, right. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the intentionality of, of the work that we do as an industry um, to focus and, and make, you know, you know, DI, DIB, all the, all the letters right. <laughs> you know, just sort of um, amplified in, in, in our industry and the contribution yeah. we make there. So like you and I have served as governing board members for the pro sports assembly and sort of the, yep. one of the seated missions of that um, you're now the board president, which um, is incredible to have you at the, at the forefront of leadership of our board. Um, Thank the, you. And, um, you know, as we think about even pro sports, you know, as you got in, into that, how much of the DIP sort of inspired you uh, yeah. of it all? Yeah, it's, it's in, again, it's interesting because it's like such a passion that, you know, you, I want to see things change. And as being in HR, I have that interesting view of how we're bringing talent into an organization and then having that same frustration of understanding that is our culture where it's supposed to be? Are the opportunities there? Are the managers trained appropriately um, to be fair? You know, because I'm always in that sense of, do I even want to bring anybody in if our stuff isn't in order? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, we we need to do something. We got we got to figure out how to keep it keep get things going. You know, it's not ever going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when some of those you know bring bring in diverse um, young people into the organization and just trying to help them figure out how to navigate. So I have you know several of my mentees um, from when I've worked at the Cardinals, but also um, I really enjoyed talking to high school students and college students. Um, young professionals that are trying to kind of break into the sports realm, helping that next generation um, become the inclusive leaders and being comfortable and solid in themselves as they can try and continue to move forward and how, how things should function. So moving into um, lifestyle, which is another topic we talk about in every episode. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, and, and basically, you know, as you know, as, as a woman, we get this question about work-life balance and, you know, all this stuff and this expectation on women about balancing their life and their personal life, and their work life, their personal life. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, how do you sort of structure or manage your lifestyle so that it just works for you and the people in your life? That is a great question. And I will say that I'm constantly learning. Yes. I feel like one minute I have it and then the next something happens and I've like, I've just totally blown the program I set up. But um, I think what I always try and remind myself, but tell others too, is um, find, find what brings you joy. Like find those things that you can do to help remind you of how much you enjoy life. 
So, you know, we're all going to, especially in this sports world, um, we work some crazy hours. Um, Sometimes certain sports are 24 seven, but trying to find the things that make you happy and truly give you joy that fill your cup. Um, One thing I did learn was, you know, I really enjoy, you know, you know, I liked being a mentor. I liked being on different boards, but what I found was that's pouring out. Yeah. And not necessarily pouring in, even though I thought it was because it was something that I enjoyed doing, but not realizing how much of me it was taking Mm. and um, not really pouring back into me. And I, and, and that took a minute for me, I would say during 2020 when you had nothing else to do, but think, um, (laughs) right. But that's really what I figured out was I was doing all this stuff um, thinking that it was filling me up because I enjoyed doing it, enjoyed giving back, but it was actually depleting in a way. So I think learning that, balancing that, and understanding when you got to say no, mm-hmm. and um, or not yet, and and just really again, like I, you know, I played tennis. I loved playing tennis. I was like playing tennis like five days a week. I was on different leagues. I loved it, but that filled my cup up. And so finding those kinds of things, you know, if it's playing with your dog, if it's making sure you have dedicated time with your kids, even if it's, you know, Friday night pizza and movie night or game night with no TV or anything like that, you know, find those things that really, it doesn't have to be anything major. I know everyone's like, I love traveling, but me taking a week long trip to the Bahamas or something (laughs) is not feasible. Um, (laughs) But what can I do um, relatively locally that can give that to me? I love reading. Okay. Let me dedicate some time um, to, um, you know, reading, you know, I love Moscato, but you know, (laughs) yeah. I love that. I, you know, as you, as you were saying that the minute, the way you've said, you know, it's about, you know, the, the things that you love to do is actually you pouring out versus it pouring in. And as soon as you said that, I literally started to think in my head about my own things. And like, you're right. Like there's the things I love is, is to give back and to make the difference and, you know, to do things for others. And what is yeah. that I'm doing um, that's pouring in for me? Um, I, I probably am miscategorizing that. And I yeah. think that that's an exercise that anybody and everyone should do is sort of put them in those buckets. You know, the things that you mm-hmm. love think are for you, are they actually for you? And making sure that there's some balance in those two, those two columns as you write that out, right? Like there's, there's yeah. a really smart exercise, I think, as, as I take away from, from what you just shared. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause you, cause you can also feel it. You might yeah. ignore it, but you're feeling it. Like, even if I was tired, I didn't miss tennis, mm-hmm. but you know, but it, cause I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I knew it filled me up in that way, even subconsciously, but you know, being on six different boards <laughs> or whatever, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but there were times where I felt tired and just exhausted. And I just like, I have got to not do this. Like, so you start having those feelings of almost anxiety. Sometimes I'm like, let me stop and pause for a second and really think about that. Like, I don't get anxiety going to like get that glass of Moscato or reading my (laughs) book or going to tennis. Like, but sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I have one more board. I have one more this. Am I letting them down? I'm not being able to like, you know, focus on them, you know, as much as I would love to and all those kinds of things because I want to help and I know they need the help. Um, but at the same time, that kind of, you can, you can just feel it. And I think it's just sitting with yourself to really say like, okay, that's probably not the thing that's filling me up. It's good, but it's not filling me up. Yeah. It's like a, it's like some sort of uh, evaluation of your battery, you know, is your battery 
paying or is it charging? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly it. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good reflection on, on lifestyle and, and just something to think about. So thank you for sharing that. And to close mm-hmm. things up, I, I love ending every conversation with advice and just wanted um, to, to provide you an opportunity of, of sharing what advice you have for those looking to grow their careers in this industry that may have started in a similar place that you did. I think the biggest one I'm, I probably harp on the most is build your network and build your advocates. And I, and, um, a friend of mine, Leslie Gill in St. Louis, she, she went to college with me as well. One year she and I challenged each other to build our personal board of directors. And, and that's kind of the advice now I give, um, like my, my mentees or just anybody that I'm, you know, talk to, like, have you built your personal board of directors? Because I really think that is important because you do need, um, individuals to kind of help give you or to, as you kind of move through your career, to bounce ideas off of. And, and there are people who are potentially in positions you want to get to. Yeah. And I always say, you know, have three or four, make sure they're, you know, diverse in whatever way that is. And, and it can represent the areas that you have interest and eventually positions you might want to go into. Because they have expertise, they have, um, you know, potential guidance, they have connections, they could probably open doors. Um, but building that, and I feel like that's a very, it's very important and, um, do that with some friends and challenge each other and hold each other accountable to it. Um, but I think that's, um, I think that's something that's huge that can really help you throughout your career and develop. No, that's fantastic. I love that advice. Build your, your board of directors. Who are they? Think about those relationships that you're, you're having. Um, and if those individuals could be on that board someday. And I, I, I love that thought. Um, I love that opportunity as well. So mm-hmm. thank you for thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your insights and all of your experiences. It's been so fun to learn more about you as much as I've, I've known you from, you know, on the, on the pro sports. <laughs> you know, I, this is awesome just to get to know you more. And, and uh, thank you again for being a part of the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. I loved it. And that's a wrap on episode 54. Thank you to Anne for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. As a thank you to Anne, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association help events equity and pro sports. Now, since Anne is already the board president of Pro Sports Assembly, she'll have the opportunity to gift that free membership from Turnkey ZRG to one of her mentees. Now, to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers community, I always invite you to join and follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers. And look forward to episode 55, dropping on Monday, October 24th. Until next time, have a great week.